Cam and Renee's Real Estate Show. Sounds like Canberra. Sounds like Mix 106.3. Moving? Connect your electricity and gas the day you move with local energy experts, ACTU AGL. For T's and C's, visit actuagl.com.au. Hi there, it's Cam and Renee here. Each week on Mix 106.3, we present the Mix 106.3 Real Estate Show. We speak with industry experts, leaders in Canberra property, national analysts and a range of other property specialists. So let's take a listen to some of the things we looked at in last Saturday's show. Renee, originally <laughs> we were going to be speaking about walk-in robes and how they're sort of more like dressing rooms these days because with the Zango videos that I do each week, I go out to these beautiful places mm. and I've just noticed that many of them, most of them, have got amazing walk-in robes. They're a bit lush. Not 30 seconds ago, though... <laughs> You said to me, as you're getting set to move into a new place yourself, so the whole process is happening, <laughs> this seems to be a bit of a contentious issue in, in your place. So please explain. <laughs> yes, and it did come up last night and this morning before I came into work. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So, so it came to a head. A little bit. No, it's it's all good. But, yes, we are moving into a new house in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. It has a walk-in wardrobe. I see. I've never had one before. I see. I've always wanted one. Yep. doesn't have to be huge. doesn't have to be massive. Mm-hmm. But it's just something that I thought would be cool. Mm. This one isn't a big one, but it's a walk-in robe nonetheless. Mm. Now, my uh, partner, Jim, would has an idea <laughs> to convert that into... A smaller guest bathroom or like a powder room. Oh, oh really? Yeah. See, that's disappointing for me. Is I, it? I thought it was going to be some sort of you know pinball lair or something like no, that. No, no. Ah. He, he, his, his thinking is very practical. Right. Uh, see, but, not practical enough for me. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I just don't know. So, so we haven't I, solved that yet. So, so it's <laughs> just, I, I don't understand where the problem is because, like, he's talking about a powder room for you. Yeah, I know, but it's just like we've, we don't need another toilet or shower. <laughs> We've already got them. We don't need any more. Oh, so we've just had an insight. And it sounds to me <laughs> like it probably was just a little bit more spice than what you're letting it on It was to- a, a little bit more spice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll see how that conversation unfolds. Let's welcome our first guest this morning. Brady Law is owner and architectural designer at Blackline Building Design. And he's here to talk about how walk-in robes are now more like dressing rooms. Brady, I'm sure just listening to that conversation, you would have heard that a thousand times, no doubt. Uh, yeah, about every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope my partner's not listening because oh. he'll hear that and say, see, it's a thing. Yeah, it's see, a thing. I hope I, I hope he's listening as well so he <laughs> hears me saying, don't worry about powder room, pinball there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, Brady, thanks for joining us. Now, um, how has the inclusion and design of walk-in robes changed over the last 10 years or so? Uh, well, the biggest change is pretty much every house we do now, it's like a mandatory requirement and they're mm. growing. Most houses have more and more and more. I've done houses now where they're to every room of the house. Like, what? a robe isn't even accepted. Yeah, a robe isn't even accepted to the kids' bedrooms anymore. They have to have a walk in robe in every bedroom. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest emerging things we've found. And uh, things like vanity tables are becoming more common as well for like makeup stations and stuff like that. Yep. And this is exactly what I see in these newer homes that I'm going out with to do the Zango videos in. Mm. Exactly like those those vanity stations with, with the, like chair the light bulbs the, around yeah, the mirrors yeah, and almost, stuff. Well, that's what, that's what you'll be having, no doubt. <laughs> so, mate, what are some of the things to consider? when designing a walk-in robe? Uh, generally, what I always say is uh, there's always a, a bit of an argument uh, between the dressing room size or practicality of storage. Like, you know, how lush do you want it to be? You know, 
do you want it to be able to get ready together in the room or do you just need as much storage as possible? Um, and I always talk to people about your um, schedules, like are you both getting ready at, you know, eight in the morning? So you both need to fit in there and that's one thing to consider as well. Yeah, yeah and it's interesting you say that, um, Brady, because the first house we went for that we missed out on had quite a big walk-in robe that was like an L shape. And while it was quite big and was really cool, it, it, it wasn't built, it was old, it wasn't that practical, it had heaps of shelves but barely any hanging space. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's another one as well, especially if you have uh, walk-in rows with lots of corners. Those corners can be almost unusable at times. Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people to work, work with your joiner as best you can because uh, back in the day I used to be a labourer for a joiner, so I know <laughs> how um, tight those spaces can get to just fit anything in there Yeah. At all. And, and what are some of the next-level inclusions that mm. you've seen or been asked to add into your designs? Um, a pretty cool one we had actually recently is we had a, uh, a split level home and, uh, the split level home actually backed onto the, believe it or not, the butler, the walking road backed onto the butler's pantry, which then backed onto the laundry. And we actually made a special like access tunnel through those spaces so they didn't have to carry their clothes up the three stairs outside their bedroom. <laughs> the three stairs. <laughs> it was custom built to cut through the concrete and up into the kitchen as a pass through. That was pretty unique. <laughs> Wow! You just must, you must, you must put these ideas down on paper and just snigger to yourself and say, "No, nah, there's no way they're going to go for that," and then they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, or, or uh, a bigger one as well. And a big evolution is there's a lot more technology coming out. Like we have um, steamers that fit inside your walk-in robe now, and you hang your clothes up and they deodorise them and everything like that now. Oh my gosh! More and more techie as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, how the other so, stuff live. So I mean, you'll be able to include all that into your walk-in oh, robe, won't look, you? I think I just need to keep the walk-in wardrobe. That's the current battle. Uh, Brady, thank you so much for your time. I may be in contact with you at some stage. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> right. Right, so, thank you. Thank you, uh, Brady Law, owner and architectural designer at Blackline Building Design Camp. Well, following up on our prop tech discussion with Bushy Martin last Saturday, the Real Estate Institute of Australia has produced a report called Blockchain Opportunities and Disruptions, which uh, looks at the role of blockchain and real estate. And so while you were away, Renee, on maternity leave, Mm. we kept these discussions going with uh, the PropTech Association of Australia. We spoke to John Minns, of course, our former independence mm. um, executive who does his little PropTech thing before he went into his role, and a whole range of other smaller organisations making these really cool apps that are helping the whole process become easier. So to help us with an understanding of how blockchain is playing a role in real estate, we're going to say good morning to Hayden Groves, who is the Real Estate Institute of Australia president. Good morning, Hayden. Good morning, Cam. Hello to you, Renee, and uh, hello and good morning to all your listeners. Good morning, Hayden. Now, I have no idea what blockchain is. I'm going to be transparent about that, and I'm sure lots of people wouldn't have heard of it. Can you give us an understanding of what it is exactly? Well, I can't profess that I'm an absolute expert on blockchain, and so as a a humble real estate practitioner myself, um, I gave up trying to work out the intricacies of what actual the, the technical aspects of blockchain actually is. Sure. But... Um, and when I did ask an expert, rather unhelpfully, they, I said, well, look, what is blockchain? Please explain it to me. And they very unhelpfully said, well, it's a chain of blocks. <laughs> yes. uh, so that didn't, that didn't help us very much early on. But um, so I've, as I said earlier, I've tried to I'll give it up trying to understand the technology behind it. However, one really useful way to think about it uh, in, in more of a layman's way um, is to think about it being a new layer of the internet, uh, which has a lot more built-in trust uh, component to that Internet, so it's a 
it's in a, in a more technical side. It's it's a coded uh, append only ledger, effectively. Okay. Um, that is sequentially linked together. That's hence the, the phrase blockchain so mm-hmm. and yep. links of, of blocks together. Um, it can't be disrupted, and this is an important point, and this is where the trust element comes from. Uh, it can't be disrupted by those that are outside the blockchain. So you can have public blockchains or, or you can have private blockchains, and that's where, in relation to um, uh, commerce uh, and, and uh, other transactions that also include uh, property transactions, where it becomes useful. So it, is, uh, it makes internet-based transactions um, uh, much, you know, unlike the, the, the physical uh, paper trail that we currently use as agents for the sale of a house, uh, it makes those internet-based transactions immutable. Okay. Uh, and thus, it's more reliable um, than the existing online or in-person transactions that we currently have. And so, um, you know, so hopefully for your listeners, it gives you a bit better understanding um, because it, it can refer, when people use the phrase blockchain, they're referring to either just the technology of, of, of blockchain-coded technology um, or they're also referring to, which I think is a bit unhelpful, they're also referring to a, a specific underlying blockchain technology, which, of course, most people would recognise as something like Bitcoin. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. effectively a, a, a blockchain. Yep. All right, well, we've got lots of tech-savvy people here in the nation's capital and the phone's not ringing at the radio station at the moment. So, because mm. And if you had got it wrong, don't worry, it would have been ringing. So you've done a good explanation there. Thank you for that. Is there one specific example where blockchain has played a role in an everyday real estate transaction? And you've sort of alluded to that there, but is there one good example you can give us? Well, there's one right now, for example, like land registries. Um, and so proof of ownership in land registries. And a lot of European nations, for example, do struggle with this. Here in Australia, we've got a, a very good land registry system. And so the certificate of title system that we're, everyone is familiar with, um, you know, which, which can prove either leasehold ownership or can prove uh, lease, um, you know, freehold ownership of land. Um, and that's done through, originally, of course, it was all the old parchment titles that we used to see around the place. Mm. Um, that, was, that was held physically, and now they've most in most jurisdictions around Australia are now digitised. Um, but further to that, um, Dubai, in fact, interestingly, is uh, the world's first um, land-based registry, which is built on a blockchain technology, so it can't be disrupted at all. Um, and also, uh, PEXA, which is a, a settlement platform that settlement agencies and lawyers use to, to, to settle transactions in real estate. There's a form of blockchain that you, you have to be invited in to participate in the blockchain, and it is immutable. And so there's, if, if there's anyone tries to change or manipulate the transaction in any way or get involved in it in a fraudulent type sort of way, and we've obviously seen fraud in real estate happen in the, in the past around Australia, yeah. um, it, 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 it cannot be done um, simply because uh, it's an immutable record. So if somebody is within the blockchain, tries to manipulate uh, in, a, in a fraudulent way, um, the transactions within that blockchain, all of the other parties within that blockchain would have to agree to any change in it, yeah. um, and so it, it can't. So a mistake cannot be made nice. um, yeah. to, to what is set down in that coded blockchain. So there's, there's an example. Um, so mostly in, in, in a real estate application, um, uh, land registries is one is one way that that people can sort of understand how blockchain might apply to real estate. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, I've learned something today, and no doubt many others have as well. Hayden, thank you so much for your time. 
That's terrific. Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. Hayden Groves, Real Estate Institute of Australia president there, Ken. Renee, I like the church normally when I hear their songs on the radio, but it's got extra special significance this morning. Indeed, because we are speaking about a, a church building that is for sale. Mm. The address is 7 Gundaroo Street in Gunning. You've got to go online and have a look. It's really interesting, isn't it? It's a neat looking building. Now, yeah. Ian Blackburn from uh, McCann Properties is a rural specialist and uh, here's the selling agent and joins us now. Good morning, Ian. Morning, Cam. How are you going? Really, really good. All right, so tell us about this building and the unique appearance as well. Yes, most certainly. It was um, commissioned by, built by the Catholic Church back in the day um, by a bunch of uh, stonemasons in the ter- like, like early 1900s. Yeah. Um, it was uh, opened in about 1912. It looks like a church. It's got nine crosses on it but it's not actually a church. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, it's actually the Catholic primary school. Oh. It's, and, and when I looked at the photos, Ian, online, it kind of is a bit of a blank canvas, isn't it, I, inside especially, and in that you could do a lot with it and kind of make it what you want to make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, people who, who have been coming down looking at the property over the last week or so have all seen the show Grand Designs. Yeah, and that's what they're looking at doing, sort of restoring it to its former beauty, and, and, and enhancing it, and possibly living there. Yeah, and it's—I mean—it's very much got that church-style appearance on the yeah. outside, though, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely, no, no question. It was, it was built by the Catholic Church. Like I said, it has nine crosses, has all the architecture of a church. Yeah, it was actually the uh, the old Catholic primary school. In fact, I was at a luncheon the other day for a fundraiser with 140 of my closest chums, and. Um, some of the people there actually went to school there back in the 1960s. What? Oh. That's cool. That's cool. Now, who do you think a place like this will suit? What kind of people have been coming through and showing interest? Okay. Well, it's people who are after a, a, a tree change, want to move to the country with some peace and quiet, Yeah. like the old architecture, want a slower pace, but so like projects and, you know, like something different. But like I said earlier, you know, uh, do the grand design thing and just restore it to its form of, you know, yeah, glory yeah, yeah. and enhance it. And people have been talking about putting a, a mezzanine level internally. Yeah. Mm. Uh, um, and just, just enjoying the lifestyle. Yeah. So, and this one would suit me beautifully because when we've spoken to real estate agents who have had, had actual churches for sale, mm. there's no yeah. way that I could – I mean, if I walk into a place like that to live, I'd, there'd be lightning striking there, yeah. right? But <laughs> this one does, has never had a sermon done, so we're good. You'll be right, Ken. Yeah, good to go. You're fine. <laughs> well – yeah, but look, it's also, after it was uh, decommissioned as a school, and they used to use it as a hall, um, they've had wakes there, um, all sorts of things. And there's also a second lot for sale in, in the whole package, which you could uh, subdivide and, and and you know, sell them off at 350 a, a block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two different blocks of land with it, isn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or just simply enjoy the space and enjoy the lifestyle. Nice. Yeah, lovely. Well, um, ample opportunity. I can't wait to see what comes of it, What people, whoever buys it, what they do with it. Yep. Ian, thank you uh, so much for your time this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Ian Blackburn from McCann Properties there, 7 Gundaroo Street in Gunning. Well, those are the interviews we most enjoyed in last week's Mix 106.3 Real Estate Show. If you love hearing about the latest trends or you're just up for a sticky beak, be sure to drop by for a listen this Saturday between 9 and 10. It's all thanks to Actual AGL. Cam and Renee's Real Estate Show. Sounds like Canberra. Sounds like Mix 106.3.